Hello and welcome to another Be Your Own Loud podcast. I'm your host, Matt Haller, and today we've got Steve Odie. Now, Steve is somebody who I met through a friend of a friend of a friend. Since then, we've actually become better friends. Now, he's across the pond and he lives way, way far away from me, but he's just one of those genuinely wonderful people who is doing something to be his own loud and rise above his noise, which really is the Traveling Optimist podcast, which I need to make sure that you all subscribe to immediately. But more than that, he is doing something that's what some people would consider is very risky during a time where a lot of people just flat out aren't taking risks, which has been the last 18 months. So first off, Steve, welcome to the show. Be your own loud. Thank you, Matt. It's really such a great pleasure to be on your show, which I love and I subscribe to. And I think it's a, it's a brilliant, a brilliant podcast. So thanks for letting me, thanks for letting me on. Well, let's talk about this craziness. Actually, before we talk about the craziness of your transition business-wise, let's let's talk about your story a little bit. First off, how did you come up through the world professionally and personally landing on the Traveling Optimist podcast before you really made this major transition? My whole career has been spent in the travel industry. I left school and went to work for a company that, that sold holidays to Florida in a nutshell. I cut my teeth in the sales arena with them. I've been in travel ever since, but with travel, you're always against things like world events and ash clouds from volcano eruptions and things like that. So travel people are automatically optimistic and very forward thinking people. So it's a, it's a, it was the perfect industry for me, really. And I've loved it. It's been a, a, a fantastic ride and journey for me. But and then I went into, I started my own business in 2004, and that's on the back of really wanting to be able to do something for myself for a long time. A lot of people might actually relate to that, really, depending on their circumstances, obviously. I have a very uh, understanding wife. So Maria was very, she was really cool about it. And I said, look, I really want to just try and do something for myself. Are you, are you, are you, would you be up for it? And, so, and she said, yeah, go for it. She's got a great attitude and yeah, she's brilliant. And I've just been in travel all my life from, from there on in. I specialize in sort of epic trips around the world, particularly to Africa. Creating memories for, for my clients is, was, was, a, was a big motivator and, and serving them properly. So you went into travel as an optimist, but do you think traveling makes people more optimistic? Yeah, I think so, because you te- you, it really widens your whole worldview you can't help but be optimistic when you travel, particularly if you're, if you're going away and you're experiencing different cultures and meeting different people. And, and it's just a much more rewarding experience. And you can't not be optimistic when you come back from that, particularly if you go to somewhere like Africa, where people are very poor. It enables you to do some amazing things and work with some amazing people. It adds perspective. Now, I'm going to challenge you before we talk about this transition, because you just said something, you just walked into this, brother. So I'm totally going to ask you this. Let's do it. Right. So you are a fiercely optimistic person, as I, which is why I think you and I get along so well, right? I, I really do. I think that that's something, there's something about us in our souls that that make us maintain that level of optimism and desire for that optimism. But yeah. How do you balance that with realism? Like you're, you're talking about going to, to places in the world where you realize how good you might have it. Mm. How does that lend to more optimism? And the second part of the question is, 
how do you maintain optimism when a lot of the world's on fire and kind of going to poop? Well, yeah, good question. I think ultimately when you go to these places, you know that the money that you're spending to, to go to these places is going to the right people. Okay. And they're automatically doing the right thing. So as an example, if you're in Africa and you're, you're seeing wildlife, if you're staying in these accommodations, which are beautiful tented accommodations on the banks of the Mara River or whatever, overlooking the plains of the Serengeti in Tanzania or wherever you are in the mountains of Uganda, you know that the money that you're spending is going towards the conservation of, that, of those, those animals and the wildlife and, and, and the habitat. That's really a key element for me. You have to be optimistic and you've got to be, being an optimist is you've got to be a truster. Do you know what I mean? You've got to really trust people. And, and I am, I am. I've fallen foul of that philosophy a couple of times, not many times, because not everybody is, you know, who you think they are. But generally speaking, when you go to places broad that, that you can trust these people and that, that your hard-earned dollar or pound is going in the right direction, it's helping these things. So I'm automatically optimistic about that sort of stuff. COVID's had a massive impact on that so far because wildlife conservation particularly has, has been devastated, but hopefully that's all coming back. And in terms of staying optimistic during these times has been a key component for me staying sane. <laughs> do you know what I mean? I do. My, my business hit, hit a brick wall last March, right. as did millions of others. And so I'm not, not sort of, oh, woe is me. I could have sat, sat down and, and mulled things through and, and not really done anything and sat on my backside. And I couldn't do that. I'm not that sort of person. I've still got to provide a roof over my family's head. I've got to put fridge in, uh, food in the fridge. Optimism for me has meant that it's been able to keep me sane in a pretty insane world. And I think that's really helped me through the transition of, of what I'm going through at the moment. Well, let's talk about that transition a little bit more deeply. So you've been in travel since you were knee high to a grasshopper. When you got out of yeah. university, that was what you did. Now you're doing something else. How did you arrive at that opportunity? And, and what do you think is in store for you? I, I needed to be able to do something last year. I updated my resume, as they say in America, or my CV in the UK was the first thing. And I sent, I sent, I applied for hundreds of jobs. I was, I was not holding back because I knew that the, the COVID situation wasn't going to improve. So I was applying for hundreds of jobs, delivery drivers for grocery stores, that kind of thing. So it, I mean, I wasn't holding back. And then I thought, okay, well, let's see what I can do from a consultancy point of view. So I made, I just made a few calls. I hustled, m made a few calls, threw some mud at the wall and some of it stuck. I'm a big, big exponent of, of hustling and doing what you've doing, whatever you've got to do to, to provide. And so if, if times are tough, that's, that's fine. But I, I automatically know being the optimist, I know that there's good times ahead. I don't, I don't think this is going to last or it was, it wasn't going to last. I've started taking exams to become a mortgage broker. So I'm not going to be reliant on travel down the line. I'm not going to be held almost to ransom, if you like, mm -hmm. by, actions that are outside of my control. So it's I, I took control, decided on a path, went for it, and I've got a great mentor, Doug, who's who's looking after me 
with the mortgage side of things. And I'm still doing travel too, uh, keeping my options open, which I think is important. Well, and I was going to ask you about that because now that the world is starting to open up a little bit more and you do have a very specific niche within the travel world, are you going to be able to to manage both or is, is the mortgage stuff going to be so busy? Because I don't know what it's like where you are, but but here in the States and in North America, real estate is insane. I mean, the, the it's uh, it's going to be a bubble again. We know it. Is it like that there? And, and how busy is that? Because I mean, you've had, also had a lot of studying too, right? Yeah. Yeah, I've had some studying to do. I'm taking some exams. I've got one more to do. It's been pretty busy. But yeah, I'm going to be able to juggle it. And and I think I'm going to make time because I've always been the sort of person that really enjoys serving people, doing the best I can for other people. Travel has enabled me to do that. Being in, in, responsible for people's lives and their homes is also a, another way for me to be able to to serve it's just a different it's a it's a different it's a different arena really it's the same thing but just a different arena and having that service mentality right having that service mindset what what i know you have found and what i have found is is it just opens up so many doors because you're going into things with the right state of mind now let's talk about state of mind a little bit because you said that your your focus when you were doing travel as your entire career what was africa why Africa? <laughs> you see, the thing is, if you were to ever travel to Africa, you would know what I'm and, and I really hope you can get out there with you and your family at one point because it's an amazing continent. Now, I, I, it's a huge continent. I'm talking predominantly about East Africa and Southern Africa, where it's all about the wildlife, really, and, okay. and, and uh, the experiences there, mainly. Once you touch down in somewhere like Tanzania or Kenya or Uganda, it's just so beautiful the people are amazing it captures your heart i've got clients that keep going back every year i've got one lady out in kenya at the moment she goes four times a year and she's in her 80s jill is an amazing person and she is so cool and she's been desperate to go back because it just it just leaves you enraptured every time you every time you go so it, you know just to sort of explain it's early mornings on safari, you would get up at like half past five and have a cup of coffee. There'd be coffee waiting for you outside your tent. You'd be waking up to the dawn chorus. You could hear the zebras and the and the and the wildebeest in the in the in the background getting ready for the day. You might even hear the odd sort of rumble of a lion or something, hippos rumbling in the river and stuff. And then you get up and you go out at six o'clock, you see the sunrise over this beautiful sort of plain. You've got those acacia trees in the distance, that sort of archetypal image of the, the flat top trees. Just incredible. And then you see your first lion. Oh, and then you've got elephants walking straight past you in your vehicle. Oh, you know, it's just amazing. I mean, what it's all in this beautiful in the beautiful landscape and, and habitat. And you come back and the the, the dancing in the evening and you've got this roaring fire and yeah it's just amazing mate and you see the stars my god i mean the sky is so vivid you don't realize how you can see the stars i saw i was in tanzania once a couple of years ago actually in in the mahali mountains trekking for chimpanzees and, and i saw the milky way for the first time and it just blew me away really blew me away it was so beautiful indescribable I remember when we were crossing the Atlantic the first time when I was in the Navy and all of the ship's lights were off. And I remember there's the horrible watch that you stand, which is, is 1130 to 330 in the morning. So you get like no sleep. Yeah. And I used to volunteer for it. 
because I could go out on main deck and you would look up. We just don't understand how much light pollution there is, no matter where you live in North America or in Europe, there's just yeah. so much light pollution. And when you're in the middle of real darkness, yeah, it, that really does change. And it really, I think it's a wonderfully humbling perspective of just how small we are in the grand scheme of everything. Oh man, absolutely. You don't realize it until you see that. You just think you're just a, we're just a big, just a small speck. Yeah. It's just incredible. And it was, it's beautiful. And it's those sorts of memories that you come back and you remember, you tell those stories to all your friends and, and family and the images that you come back with and the video that you take and everything, just awesome, just fantastic. Part of your philosophy on service really has to do with a word that many of us have heard through popular culture. There's a couple of different pronunciations of it. Mbutu is the way that I've heard it pronounced. What is that and why is that kind of your philosophical foundation? Okay, that is a good question as well. So Ubuntu is a Zulu word, which is a South, South African phrase. And it, it really... And actually, to put it in context, ironically, into a sort of a more modern business sense, Simon Sinek has called something infinite mindset. And that's what it is. It's an infinite mindset. So Ubuntu is an African word that means I am because you are. It's about compassion. It's about togetherness. It's about the ability to work together and accomplish anything by lifting others up. And that's what I'm about. I, I'm, a, I'm a, a natural uplifter of people. I like to think that I am anyway. And, and it's about leaving the world in a better shape than you found it. And so it's a kind of a mantra that, that I am today because of you. It's a really cool word. I love it. It is. And, and we are so much stronger when we don't think that we're doing all of this by ourselves and or that we should not be crediting ourselves with all of our success because we would not have the level of success that we have if we didn't have the other surrounding. Now, that's a big thing that we deal with here in the States. It's this insanely rugged individualism that I am because of me, not because <laughs> of we. If you were to be able to give some advice to people to kind of, I don't know, give them the perverse uh, smack across the face a couple of times to make them understand that better. What would you say to that? I would say, ask, a, a, I can ask yourself a different question. How can, how can I serve you? How can I, how can I help you? Be kind. That's really the sort of angle that I'm at. And, and that's where I'm going to, to keep being at, really. The idea is that you don't, my success is, is based on your success. If you're doing well, I'm doing well. I really feel that in my heart. If I help you, Matt, I'm doing it because I want to help you. I'm doing it and, and I'm not doing it to get anything back. That's, that's the key. It's unbelievable to me how when you change that as your focus and you understand that you are because of the we, the greater us, and you can be stronger, smarter, stronger, faster, everything, mm -hmm. when you realize and you embrace the service sort of mindset. But it's also had a very interesting, unexpected consequence in your personal growth and development, which is something that you said to me earlier, was something that you realized later in life, and that, that is gratitude. How do those things go together, Steve? I'd never really thought about gratitude as a, as a concept of one's being. And although I was always grateful for everybody in my life, 
from my grandparents, my 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 mum and dad, and and everybody, and my aunts and uncles, everybody in my family, my friends. I'm so grateful. But it it, it never really registered until I I started saying how grateful I am for things and and actually being observant of that fact as well and not taking things for granted. Gratitude plays a big part in my life. I wake up every morning and I rub my gratitude stone and I say thanks for because that's a win. And I was speaking to a, a really amazing guy called Eric Allen uh, a few days ago and he was talking about his his stacking wins and his first win of the day is getting up. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I've been doing that, but I hadn't registered until Eric said, yeah, oh God, yeah, actually, that's a really good idea. I've, I've got my gratitude stone and I, I rub that. And that's part, I learned that this isn't rocket science though, Matt, is it? This is stuff that's all, it's all out there. It's just, and there's like probably hundreds of unlocks that people could tune into and they only need to choose one or two or three or things to, to unlock things for their lives that that would make a hell of a difference. And one of them was a gratitude stone for me, which yeah. sounds a bit weird and a bit woo-woo, but actually it's so cool. Did you introduce me to Eric? Because I ended up interviewing him too. I don't think people understand how important being grateful that you woke up really is. Because it <laughs> yeah. kind of sets the tone for the rest of your day. Like, oh my God, I woke up again. Because here's the deal. There's some day you're not going to. Right? No, I mean, it's just the reality of the situation. Yeah, no, it just sets up the whole day, though, really. That's the thing. It really does set it up on the right on the right foundations. And so you can really do some great things in, in that day. And that, that's all you that's all you can do, really, isn't it? At the end of the day. If you were able to give all of our listeners a, a piece of advice from from your life and your experience that would allow them to one give themselves the permission to to be themselves, which is our goal for the show, and also for them to give them permission to get their voice out into the marketplace and to experience life to the fullest, what, what advice would you give them? It's really okay to be optimistic about your life. When I was a, young, a younger person, I had quite a few setbacks. One of my early influences was my grandmother, and she was a real optimist. She only had one lung. She had tuberculosis in the 50s. So she had one lung removed and she was two years in convalescence and stuff. So she lived her life really full and she was really lovely. But she taught me about optimism just to be the fact that actually these these things will pass the, the things that were happening with me on the, in that time of my life they're not going to last and and i've taken that with me all through my life and so i would say that it's okay to be optimistic a really bad piece of advice that i was not given but somebody said to me was if you don't get your hopes up you won't be disappointed oh, yeah. in your life and i'm thinking that's a really rubbish piece of advice <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and and I thought I thought to myself when that person said it, I said, "You're wrong. Yeah. You are so wrong." And and I'm not going to cast especially I'm not going to judge that person on that. But I didn't. I you either take that advice and and learn from it, or you don't, and you move on and and find someone else that has got some actually some decent advice to give you. So I would say in a roundabout way, that's sort of saying, look, be optimistic and live your life with passion every day and. And know that, you know, tough times aren't going to last. There's always some light at the end of the tunnel. And I think that's what optimism is all about. Try something new. I started a podcast last year and it's something that I really had to get out of my comfort zone for. Mm -hmm. I'm not a natural speaker and, and I've learned how to talk to people properly and ask, ask right, the right questions 
I'm not erming and erming and so much now, but I've learned a lot through that process and I've connected with a lot of people and, and it's been fantastic. What should I have asked you that I didn't? Is it okay to change? Is it okay to, is it okay to pivot into something else? Is it okay to do something different? And I would say, yes, it is okay. You know, give yourself permission to be able to do that. As Eric Allen said, stack the wins. Taking that running tally of the things that are going well and focusing your energy on that, not saying that you shouldn't pay attention to the things that aren't going well so that you can continuously improve, but sometimes just taking that moment to, to just check that box that, yep, mm. there was something else that went really well. I think that helps me maintain my optimism. I, I think it also hopefully makes me a, just a better person, which I don't know about you. I do know about you, uh, that you want to continuously be a better person because, you know, we are better as humans when we think about we, us, as absolutely. Everything. Yeah. And, and you're, you're the epitome of that because you're be the better man is, is a, a mantra that I know that you live by. And that's amazing. And this place that you've, you've, that you've taken at the seat, your seat at the, at the table of life is abundant and you're a, a walking epitome of, of uh, abundance, mate. It's fantastic. <laughs> Dude, I really appreciate that. You're making me blush. I know people aren't going to be able to see that because, but you, you're making me blush. I know I, I really, and, and dude, honestly, and I know you've experienced this with your podcast. It, it's the, your opportunity to meet other people who are all over the world who, who want to give I, I think that just forces you to be in that giver's mindset. Absolutely. 100%. And, and yeah. Everybody, please, first off, subscribe to the Traveling Optimist podcast, which we actually have the link in our uh, summary in our show notes. Follow Steve on LinkedIn. He's always posting wonderful stuff. He's actually very quick to react. If you need something done with your mortgage, I'm assuming here in the UK, please reach out and, and talk to Steve because he'll be able to help you out. Or if you want to have a once in a lifetime trip, please go ahead and reach out to because that does happen to be something that does feed his soul. So Steve, thank you so much for being on the show today. I really appreciate your time. Matt, thank you so much. You're so awesome. And I'm so grateful to have connected with you, mate. It's, uh, you're amazing. I love it. I hope our paths cross physically at some point in the near future, and uh, I will do whatever I can to make that happen. So if you haven't subscribed to this show yet, please make sure that you do. Please also make sure that you're looking at our live streams at the different times that we're starting to stream these, just to make sure that we're making ourselves a little bit more accessible. And they're also, of course, on demand, much like the podcast. So for Steve and all of us here at Proudmouth, this is Matt Halloran, and we'll see you on the other side of the mic very soon. Thank you for listening to Be Your Own Loud, where we reverse engineer success to help you accelerate your influence and break free from the torment of sales. If you haven't done so already, subscribe to our podcast, share with others in your company or profession, follow us on social media. This podcast is brought to you by Proudmouth, the Influence Accelerators. Visit us at Proudmouth.com and join our Influence Accelerator Academy for free to enhance your marketing mindset and know-how.